I'm Maddie. And this is Ryan. And we're the hosts of the Mutant Ages, a show where we watch every adaptation of the X-Men. And what are we watching this week? X-Men Origins Wolverine. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're never watching that again. <laughs> we're watching the pilot episode of X-Men Evolution. Yay! Yay! Back when we were young, we experienced a change. Do you remember at the beginning of this show when we said we were going to do only X Men the Animated we Series? And I ha- We've literally never said that on the show. We did. No, too. we did okay, not. Well, that's what we said to yes, each other. That's true. But we started the Mutant Ages with Pride of the X Men. We started this yes, show with the intent to watch yeah, I, I, every know adaptation really, of the X Men. That is a very good point. When you, we first discussed this, we were like, just X Men the Animated and Series. Then Ryan and then was like, what if we watched everything <laughs> well no it was more like you said we'll just do x-men the animated series and i said great let's start with pride at the x-men and immediately that was not x-men the animated yeah. series so i mean thanks for going fine. along with me on this crazy I ride i feel like at some point i had to convince you that we should also do the live action movies though i mean people have gotten to hear us get through all this live this is not those are fun we though. don't need to get into this i'm so excited to talk about x-men evolution i am too i have so many things to say before we even same. start this series x-men evolution We've both prepared like statements on it. (laughs) Statements. I've got the Wikipedia page even open. Great. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to talk about my relation to this, but before I talk about that, I am going to say that this show was designed very specifically about around the LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. and they have been vocal about that since like day one. But they have also been like, well, it was like 2000, so we couldn't actually come out and say that so there's a lot of references in here for example boom boom and magma are supposed to be dating mm-hmm. like that is canon which is really fantastic yeah uh and the allegories if for the gay community is also really good in this and i watched this show obviously from 2000 to 2003 which was like high school i don't know like yeah the the second half of high school because i was past freshman year at that mm-hmm. point so it was Where like it was sophomore the beginning to of senior. high school for me because we're a couple yeah, years apart because it was it was 2000 to 2003 this came out directly after x-men the animated series and it was kind of made to profit off of the success of the first x-men that's film. right so there there's kind of got a little bit of that tone in here but anyway so the point being is that i i was really obsessed with the show a little bit more than x-men the animated series which i grew up with when i was younger or like in my early mm-hmm. teens so like you know it was it was horny for me. Not that this show isn't, but I felt like, you know, a lot of what Katie and I wrote about in Warcraft Valley was kind of like based on like how the X-Men acted in this where they were kids. Yeah. And 
like that's kind of like I, I found it very relatable even though like they were the, these characters are younger than me on this show I found it very relatable for me as somebody who is like a closeted gay guy still trying to come out and find his way out of the closet and so you know I really wanted to hang out with the X-Men in the way that they were portrayed in this show mm-hmm. and it just it left a lasting effect on me I, I also think that this time period like 2000 to 2006 is when I was ex- first learning to explore myself which i would argue to say that i'm still learning a lot about myself yeah i don't think that ever ends as long as you're alive no it doesn't but i remember that time period i felt a lot more confident about myself because all like this was right before the trauma in my life happened Mm -hmm. before that then spiked into several other traumas in my life but so things were still okay i just was like dealing with the the things that were not okay was like not being able to come out high school dealing with things i need profession Yeah, but like not be none of that being treatable at the time. And so this was a very big outlet for me where I was very invested in these characters a little bit more than I had been growing up watching X-Men animated series, which this series is still very politically, very dark and heavy. But I feel like one thing I already liked about this episode is that it didn't cram as much as an episode of X-Men, the animated series would do where it's like, I was like, holy shit. I just like blow after blow. It's like, it's a mental, like it's mentally exhausting, like absorbing everything that X-Men, the animated series is giving Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. Whereas this shows a little more of a lighter tone, but the darkness is still very much under the surface. By the time it gets to season three, it's basically X-Men, the animated series again. I think the pilot's pretty dark, but I also think that the tone is different because it's about literal children, which is going to change the attitude no matter what you yes. do so that's so that's the other thing i i actually really enjoyed that concept where they were all going to be teenagers mm-hmm. and i th- i felt like that worked in a weird ultimates kind of way even though i don't like ultimates but i did like the concept of them being younger yeah it is definitely an alternate universe because like there's a few key characters who aren't teenagers like xavier obviously um and then there's mystique magneto storm and logan who are all the adults which is adults and then eventually beast will be too and i think if there's any failing the show had i think it's that storm of wolverine should have been younger yeah. and put with the regular group i don't like like i it i do it, understand that they have this mom and dad dynamic throughout the show but like storm as a teenager would have been so interesting and i you know i know they put her nephew that they made up for the show in mm-hmm. here to kind of like fill that space he's not in the pilot but yeah he's also not as interesting as storm is i mean it's hard to talk i know her. i i think they made a mistake there as well and like logan being older than everyone also felt very weird to me in this pilot although a teenage logan wouldn't have made any sense given logan's backstory and the fact that when he was a teenager it was like the 1900s yeah i didn't think they so, may have like there was not really that, a way so. for logan to be a kid but storm being an adult and being like emotionally separate from everyone was kind of weird to me but anyway i i wanted to talk a little bit about like some dates and some context here so like yeah the first x-men movie came out in july and this premiered in november of 2000 so it was like a few months later which i just thought was interesting and then also some other stuff that happened in 2000 that is when vermont legalized civil unions oh really yeah and so gay marriage wasn't legal until a few years later and obviously like massachusetts was on the forefront of that but then like other states were doing it way later so just wanted to make it clear to the listener that like that's the kind of stuff that was happening in the news during this time period when the first x-men movie came out and when this show came out was that people were talking about gay rights in 
their regular lives. And like, that's something that happened in you and my lifetime, which we talk yeah. about a lot on the show. But like, again, I don't think people really understand what it was like to be a queer kid growing up and know that you didn't have the same rights as your the other kids in your class. I'm yeah. not a person who like puts a lot of stock in marriage. I think it's like a pretty fucked up institution, but I feel like as far as like benchmarks go for explaining where our country was at on gay rights and like queerness as a concept that's where we were at we were like way behind on things like trans rights and like queer people depicted in the media at all like that basically was a non-starter so instead we had stuff like this show which was like metaphorical and that was like the most you could hope for or you know you know you have characters that are blatantly out but they can't but they can't say say that that or show that on the show completely but like you know boom boom and magma sharing a room during a cruise is a good thing quicksilver is supposed to be gay in this too it's Mm -hmm. very and it's very obvious you know i think you're hitting it on the nose here when we didn't have these rights and we didn't have like an outlet for any of this yet so the show was made because like i remember like our high school friends and I, and myself spending like the summer of 2003 after the show had pretty much ended or whatever, or it was going into its final season then. And uh, we just were like watching it repeatedly along with X-Men, the animated series. But then we would also like compare ourselves to a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I mean, this is why we made D men basically. It really, well, I mean, because everybody got really into X-Men. I mean, some, some of our friends already were there like Ry T for example, but right. like, Elena and Cal got really into the show as well. Um, and, you know, Katie was already there. A lot of our a lot of our friends were just got really into it. And then we would suppose there and be like, I'm Nightcrawler and I'm Kitty and I'm Boom Boom. Like, it's like, but the reason we all did that is that our entire group of friends turned out to be queer. Yeah. <laughs> so, although that wasn't, didn't come around until, I don't know, over the course of 10 to 15 years. Yeah. So, I, I find it very interesting. And then it led to us having X-Men parties then, like you said, filming Demon. Yeah, and like we're expressing ourselves through this thing. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we aren't, <laughs> maybe we're too attached to it because we like grew up with this thing, but whatever, who cares? I don't we're think still going to a- criticize it. We're still yeah. going to talk about things about it that we wish could have been better. But it's like worth noting how meaningful it was during the time period that it came out, even though now you might look back on it and be like, the show's still mostly white people. Like the show's still like really yeah. depicting a bunch of straight relationships because like that's what they could depict at this time. And like there's there are certainly problems I can see with it. But I'm also like it was really meaningful for what it was doing during this specific time. Right. You know? They kind of got a second chance there because what I didn't know until I was reading about it recently is that this this particular production team, it's not the same as the X-Men, the animated series, but it is the same production team as Wolverine and the X-Men, which mm-hmm. is a much more diverse and much more, it's a much yeah. darker adult show than this was. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to see these two production teams merge together and do something for Disney+. Plus. I would really love that. That seems like a thing that could happen in this day and age. Anyway, do yeah. you want to dive into the episode? I do. I don't think there's anything else I need to say. Yeah. There's no previously on because this is the pilot. Well, we can talk about how this just straight up opens in Bayville High. So this is where this is taking place. Is this mm-hmm. I don't I think it's a fictional town, Bayville. Yeah, I think so too. So anyway, the X-Men takes place here instead of Westchester, New York. And there's a football game coming going on. And there's cheerleaders, things are going on. 
I don't know. There's, There's just a, a bunch of like bro dudes. It's actually really interesting because we're watching this football game, but none of the X-Men characters are in it. Just Jean, who's taking pictures of the football players, including her boyfriend, Duncan, Duncan. who I think, by the way, is supposed to sort of be like the stand in for the love triangle of Wolverine, Cyclops and Jean, because they stay together for the first like three seasons of the show. Wow. So okay, I had forgotten about him entirely, but well, sure. yeah. So she's he's on the ground. I don't know. He got tackled or something, and she's taking pictures. And he's like, "Hey, Jean, did you get my picture for the yearbook, girl?" <laughs> and Jean's like, "No, this one's for my personal collection." <laughs> yeah, she's like, gonna masturbate to that picture later. I, yeah, I, mean, I know. Whatever, sure. <laughs> but meanwhile, cute. Cyclops is brooding on the bleachers, which yeah. is really funny because he doesn't really need to be there, and he's. He's spinning a quarter around, which yeah, like is, over his fingers, and he's hanging out with a friend of his who's like this blonde guy that I wasn't sure if it was like a character Havoc or we not. knew, it's yeah, not. but it's not anyone we know. So anyway, um, Duncan runs the ball down the field. He gets a touchdown. Blah blah blah, and then. Um, one of the other linebackers goes up to Duncan and is like gesturing to Todd Tolansky, who's a, a character who is going to be Toad later. And he's like being sketchy over by the bleachers. That's also interesting. I, I forgot to mention this, that Toad and Avalanche have two different names and personalities in this show from the comic yeah. books where nobody else has that happen. It's just them. They just and changed Toad's I, whole deal. Which, they did. I mean, they clearly took some creative liberties on this show when it came to like what they were going to adapt. Right. I mean, some of it feels like it's influenced by the live action movie that they knew was in production. Like having Magneto, Mystique, and Toad and also Sabretooth is in, in this pilot for like one second. I was like, oh, like clearly they knew those were going to be the villains in the movie. Yeah. So that's why they chose these characters, even though the premise is totally different but yeah. yeah and then like the main characters in the show are also more or less the same as the I, live action I was version. thinking about that too it's just that plus like Kitty Pride. yeah yeah so, so I don't know I just thought that was interesting well and also Kurt is in this one and he's not in the what? first live oh, well, action movie he is in X-Men 2 right but that wouldn't have been in production yet so that's true that's they interesting just decided to add Kurt and Kitty into this version well I'm glad they did because I love them on this show oh yeah they're really great anyway so anyway they see they see that Toad's stealing money under the bleachers and then it goes yeah. to Cyclops who like, drops <laughs> his quarter and he goes I think this is the funniest line by the way he goes oh man my cash and I I'm know. like <laughs> It's not cash, Scott. It's, you dropped a quarter. <laughs> like, but then I then I thought about it for a second. I was like, huh. I do remember in high school not having yes. a lot of money. And, and like, like thinking a quarter was like a lot yeah, of money because we you would could always like keep buy stuff okay, from the vending machine. Do you remember machine? how many fucking pieces of change I would have in my pocket back in high school? And that yes. like nobody I did understood. Too, though. And like I whatever. Mean, I, yeah, because remember there's, oh my God, there's a video of us somewhere for some birthday party. I think mine. And like <laughs> you were jumping off Katie's couches or whatever. And like I fall over and a bunch of change pours out of my pocket and then you take it. <laughs> and it's like, and then I we run around it. screaming at each other for like 
half an hour and katie's like what the fuck is happening so yeah. i don't know maybe this is believable is that you have to take all your pocket change and not lose it because like because you gotta you sit. yeah i mean i do remember having a lot of quarters and paying for things in full quarters which is probably obnoxious to everywhere we dealt with when we went to a cashier uh-huh. so oh i'm sure it was so anyway um scott's friend goes should we call the cops because he loses his quarter and toad grabs it through the bleachers oh yeah <laughs> And Scott goes, hold that option open, which I like already found really funny that Scott would like even consider calling the cops over a quarter that he lost. But (laughs) also like he lost it. I know. I know. So then Duncan finds Toad under the bleachers and pushes him. And he's like ribbing into him because clearly Toad is stealing people's wallets from under the bleachers. So this is also really important to mention. But all the X-Men are not really well liked except for Jean in this. But like mm-hmm. they're not out as mutants. The concept right. of mutants in general doesn't come up to the public until season three. So there's a whole closeted aspect of this show that goes on for a full two seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not that different from like the first live action X-Men movie where like if you are a mutant, that's really dangerous. And Well, like- but in this world, it's kind of almost being posed as because like it's much later on later on that i think like principal kelly is all like oh like i didn't know that all this shit that was happening was being caused by mutants we didn't know mutants existed so like Mm -hmm. that's like so it's like nobody even knows about it at all whereas in the first x-men movie at least it's set up with like people kind of know about it but it's still scary and bad and like laws are being potentially passed about it yeah yeah, so we're not there a little further yeah so Scott is standing in the shadows and like watching all of this go on. And then he intervenes and he's like, how about not the wallets are still there. Let's just have Todd give back the cash. No harm done. And Duncan is like, why do you care? And Scott's like, I don't. I'm just not crazy about three on one. So let's settle this peacefully. And then Duncan Unless basically refuses. <laughs> yeah. Then it could be like Logan, Gene and Emma. Although Scott is so awkward and unconfident. Like, we can still make jokes about the X-Men fucking because it's our show, but they are children and they're so fucking awkward. It's like I kind of enjoy the fact that they like are bad at flirting on this it's, show. I liked it too. I was just like, wow, this is like a really different vibe. But it's I, very I real. enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is acting like a kid because they I are. I feel like kids. I was relating that to the time that I was watching this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um then there's this moment where Scott sees that Duncan is gonna keep laying into uh todd slash toad and he almost takes off his glasses like he like lifts his hand and then like stops and is like no that's fucking crazy i'm not gonna do that and instead, i'm not gonna out myself right now yeah well also it would like kill him possibly like it would be an absurd reaction it for him really to do would that. and like but then doesn't gene walk in and she's like she's like no well, not yet not yet because first scott is like i'm just gonna try to beat the shit out of duncan which like of course that's not gonna go well because scott is depicted as pretty scrawny here so yeah. duncan throws him that. off there's a bunch of like everybody fighting in the mud toad leaps away like a toad so you kind of get the hint here that like there's something up with this kid that he can jump really high and fast and then um duncan and scott end up punching each other which gene shows up to and sees them in the midst of a punch and yells scott's name which is interesting 
because she's dating Duncan. And so this is the reveal to us that she knows Scott in the first place. And like, why is she worried about Scott in this situation? So then while Scott is distracted by that, he gets punched. His glasses fall off. He doesn't close his eyes. Because (laughs) he's just typical Cyclops. And then the fucking it hits a propane tank somehow and like the bleachers explode i know it's i that is how this show opens like people would have died i know no one does die because they're trying Uh, not to get that dark here like like, i mean a lot just happened in like a two minute span for this show's opening and which like there's these like mutants that are being referenced in sort of a gay allegory where they're like, oh, let's go beat up the gay kid in the corner. But the gay kid is also like stealing money because it's mm-hmm. like he doesn't have a home. And then there's like yeah, Cyclops like, wait, protecting him. Deal? And like, then Cyclops why? almost kills everybody. Like that is our <laughs> opening of our show. Yeah. And then it goes to the opening credits, which I don't know if you noticed this, but it's still the X-Men theme, but it's just like remixed. actually love the remix i got it it's not as catchy i kind of miss the old theme me Um, too it's fine it it just it's a little bit like slower and more industrial sounding which you'd think would be cool but i just was like man i miss those 90s guitars i guess i'm a thousand years old well this is still kind of like this is the 2000s guitars there was a period of time from 2000 to 2005 where all the cartoons kind of looked like x-men evolution and also sounded like them mm-hmm. there's also like a lot of um sort of synth hip-hop stuff in the background of this show like it has a very 2000 to 2003 music feel because that's the time period it was in and like other stuff was starting to get popular and that the show is really matching that and that's fine i i didn't mind any of that and there there was like a really cool industrial fight song thing where Kurt is fighting Toad later that I actually loved. So I don't hate all the music on the show, but no. the theme song is definitely like a step down in my eyes. Yeah, but I mean, you, can, you should stick it in here because it's very much like, you I know, will. the original of the song, the original song was like, and this show goes like, like it's the same song. It's just like they're drawing out different notes differently. Uh, so yeah yeah anyway so we come back for the opening credits and instantly so we're supposed to, everyone has written in being like i can't wait until we get to x-men evolution xavier because he's so much better than <laughs> the anime series who has said this so to many us, people and will they answer for their crimes and you know what's funny is because i kind of agreed with him because i was like oh yeah you know honestly yeah i kind of can see this too okay this is all wrong he instantly walks in is still xavier he's still like the first thing he does is like he walks on in and just like brainwashes people but it's like not even necessary i mean i don't know if i agree with that because he brainwashes the cop so that the cop doesn't look into any of this which is probably helpful to them because he doesn't like need anybody to be looking into this i mean i guess that's what he's doing he shows up in a limo in the middle of the field by the way like he just like drives it on and on and onto yeah, the field I mean, storm is driving it yeah and and xavier just like quickly shuts everything down and makes sure that Scott doesn't get any trouble, brainwashes whoever needs to be brainwashed. I guess he probably brainwashes Duncan so that Duncan doesn't remember fighting Scott or seeing it. 
or Duncan has a concussion. So right. he doesn't, so he doesn't remember what happened. But also, what happened to all Duncan's friends? Did they die? I mean, apparently everyone else ran away and also got brainwashed by Xavier. I mean, we really Who don't even know knows? what happened here. No one died, apparently. We know that because we see the newspaper later that Logan gets where it's like, there was an explosion at the school. That's it. I know, Everybody's pretty much. Everybody's fine. <laughs> and Jean, by the way, is running over to Duncan and be like, hey, are you okay? Even though she just watched Cyclops like blow up. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Duncan fell over. It, it looks like Scott <laughs> hits him with the beam, but maybe Cyclops's beams just aren't deadly in this. Like, I don't, I don't know how powerful they're think, supposed to be. I don't think be. he actually shot him. I think he shot something above the bleachers or whatever. Yeah, it's a weird set of animation. Maybe you're frames. right though. There's so many times that Cyclops like sometimes He'll, like stun somebody. I, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes he's like it's just enough power to blow off spider webs. Other times it's like kills a person. It's, like I don't know. It, there's it's never consistent. Yeah, I mean I don't know. So apparently it was enough to give Duncan a concussion, and so he doesn't remember anything. Um, Scott, meanwhile, is looking at Gene and like having a sad time where he's like, wow. he, he, he's still brooding. But then there's sort of like this weird, like gay situation. Like, and I don't mean this in like a comical way in which Toad goes over and thanks Cyclops for hel- helping him. And it's very much like, thanks, fellow gay for sticking up for your fellow gay type of situation. Like, I that's- mean, yeah, I felt like Scott was kind of rude, though, because he just says he doesn't say you're welcome. He just no, he says, doesn't. yeah. And then Toad That's walks away. That's what I mean. I feel like it's like Toad. I know it's because they're mutants, but in the real world is very much like Toad walking up to Cyclops and be like, hey, I know that you're sticking up for me because you're also gay. And then Cyclops is like, no, I'm not. But yeah, like, yes, I am. Much. But I'm not going to like, just leave me alone because I don't want to get outed for being seen with you because like that could result in us both getting beat up. I mean, so. also Toad is depicted as like, unwashed like i don't know what this kid's situation is i mean we find out later that he's working with mystique but like does he have a home is he well, okay like it's not clear he's taken in by mystique at the beginning of this like yeah. i think this is the episode where i he figure gets they taken already in. know each other on some level but like it would not be unbelievable to me if toad was like living on the streets like he all the characters like say he smells bad he's like unwashed he's he's a tragic villain very yeah. in in this show so right. um we go back to xavier and he talks to storm and he's like we better hurry we've got a train to catch so they go to a train station Storm is wearing a lot of purple eyeshadow, by the way. It is the year 2000. She's wearing also a, a lot of blush. And yeah. it's like... It's a lot. It's I didn't like love this, this for look the on rest her. of the show. I don't know who decided this look looks good on Storm. And yeah. it just kind of like... It kind of looks like, let's make Storm look like white person Storm almost. That's what it feels she like does, to me. She has lighter skin, but it's also like, I guess this was disco revival in terms of like fashion trends because it was the year 2000. So like, I maybe. I hope so. I mean, I, disco is fun. Well, the, I mean, don't you remember like bright colors got really popular in the late 90s again for like a second. Yeah. And I like know. huge pants and like and the bell bottom pants that we all wore. I mean, like wore. everybody's wearing them in this show. Like everybody's wearing the huge pants, and I was like, "Wow!" Okay, it's cool, actually cool, funny because cool. everybody on the show is also wearing like capris. Did you notice that? Yes, I mean, all of that was super popular at that time period, and like tiny little tight shirts and huge oh, and all, pants. And all everyone except for Cyclops because he's got his like shirt tucked in too tight. Mm-hmm. We have like 
every other character that's a dude wears their underwear above their like pant line in yes, the show. Yes, but that was also popular at the time. I don't know. I know. It, it was it's really, really taking me back. Comical, I... and I love it. Yeah. Anyway, so they're picking up somebody, and somebody walks out, and Storm goes, Kurt. And Xavier says, no, that's not him. And then this person who walks out wearing a ridiculous cloak just comes on out. Yeah, with like a full hood, like Organization yeah. 13 member, like it's walks like, off the train. And very is like, Kingdom Hearts. And yeah. they're like, oh, which like none of the NPCs King notice Mickey? him. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> and so it's Kurt. It's Kurt. He's he's ashamed of how he looks. And so he's wearing this outfit, obviously. So then we get to see Wolverine driving a motorcycle through the wilderness. This version of Wolverine is scene. kind of like strange a little bit but like really still a little hot but like still like strange so he's driving bizarre in this particular scene like i don't know what his what he's doing so i don't really know what his deal is on this show because he just kind of like i don't know it's just a weird version of wolverine yeah because like what's his purpose if he doesn't really have a team to join like he's kind of a teacher figure i guess but like it's weird to see logan in that role well and this he's like posed as like one of the original five x-men he just like he's like comes like he's like hey everyone they're like glad you're back logan and he's like thanks and it's yeah, like yeah it's like what what, what? <laughs> anyway so logan gets to the Wait, gas station i know i know i know so like he walks in and he sees a newspaper that talks about the bayville school explosion and he goes hmm trouble at home and then the cashier is like super nervous about him for some reason because i guess he looks intimidating and he's like oh you i mean he looks like a biker walking in yeah but like what i don't know he's not that okay, also, but Logan's like, he's like, yeah, and I want a bottle of water too. And it's and like, like, then he doesn't has to go get, get that for himself. Him? Yeah, like, why yeah, does the cashier have to get it for him? And so he does. And then Logan puts down a $20 bill and then he grabs the water and rips off the top of it with his claws, which, like, didn't need which, to happen. I mean, at I, did all. the guy even see that or not? Like, I it's think not even so. clear to me. And the guy's like, Oh, like, why did he do that? Like, he could have... Why? I mean, that part, I believe, for Logan, like, instead of just unscrewing the cap like a normal fucking person, he, like, has to make it really fucking edgy and be like, I'm going to claw off this entire top to this bottle. And, we're and like, then okay. he drinks all of it immediately and then puts it down on the counter and goes, recycle that Clean for up my me. Shit. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, and then I he know. leaves. And I was just like, what is happening? And then there's a sudden shot of Sabretooth in the woods growling at him from, like, far away. And Logan, I guess, doesn't see him or smell him which does is not relevant for the rest of this episode because it's like we don't see Sabretooth again yeah but he's there. like we do eventually but like not in this episode i mean i guess it's just a preview that there's like another wolverine type guy on this show who's gonna be in the wilderness growling at logan from time to time and uh if we didn't already know that then now we do well i guess this is gonna be his boyfriend until beast shows up again yep yeah, I'm just going to go out there and say that Beast and Wolverine date in this show and also Wolverine and the X-Men. Just well, putting that out there now. They are the one true pairing, it turns I'm out. I'm starting to believe that. Yeah, yeah. So then we get this very extended scene between Scott and Jean where Scott is trying to tell Jean to get ready faster and <laughs> it goes just, on maybe two lines too long for me. This is like, 
Generation X again. Yes, it really reminded me of that scene where they're like knocking on the door. I mean, they probably watched Generation X before they made this pilot, honestly. Like, that probably subconsciously influenced them. So Jean is getting ready and like using her telekinesis to hold up the mirror. And I guess that's the reveal that she's uh, got mutant powers, but we're going to find out more about that later anyway. So it's not like this is the only reveal of that. And Scott eventually gets really annoyed at her and he's like, you want me to blow this door down? And then Jean finally opens it and like touches his chin really flirtatiously. And she's like, are we going or what? And then like, oh, so you walks done. Jean's like taking forever to comb her hair. She eventually comes out and is like, are we going to fuck or what? Yeah. I mean, she's definitely hitting on Scott here, but like, it's also like that teen girl thing where it's like, she's kind of keeping her options open. Yeah, I you're mean, right. I, I, liked, I, I liked it for Jean. Cause I like that. She's immature. I'm like, kind of I a do dick too. Because I actually, that's how teenagers I, are, this, you know, this show does a really good job with her. This episode, she doesn't have a lot to do, but I know in the next episode she recruits Kitty. Mm-hmm. So like, she's pretty like, and, and then later at the end of it, like by the end of the series, I think she's like, Oh, I think I'm going to become a doctor. And right. then I think it's going to lead into uh, Dark Phoenix, but we didn't get there. But she yeah. does really well on this show. This is probably the only TV show Regine does well. Mm-hmm. So, And it's also like, whether you like it or not, it's kind of in character for Jean to be flirting with somebody while she's in a relationship. Like, I mean, that is a character for Jean. Jean. So she's like, I'm she's on doing fire. It. I know. So then they go downstairs. They're trying to leave. And then Xavier's like, wait, hold on. We have a new student here. They're like, okay. I actually really enjoyed this entire interaction in which Mm -hmm. Xavier introduces them and Kurt won't come forward. And Xavier's like, it's okay. You're among friends here. So Kurt reaches out his hand, which is blue and fuzzy. And it only has has three three fingers. fingers. And and like Scott kind of like recoils. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really like, whoa. And then so Kurt then packs like pulls back right Xavier's just like okay let's change the subject really quick because like they're talking about like how Nightcrawler has powers or whatever right, and then right. Xavier's like by the way what was up with you using your powers yesterday and he's like you've got to be better at like not doing that like close your eyes and Cyclops is like come on professor I'm packing two bazookas behind my eyes here and yeah. Xavier's like you need more control bitch and I was like oh here we go like, Xavier's being to his typical self yeah and then and then he's like oh by the way Nightcrawler Cyclops has optic blast that comes out of his eyeballs yes and gene's like so nightcar so i actually love that like cyclops was kind of like rude to him at first but gene was not gene like walks up she's like so do you have a special gift like completely sidebarring the fact that he looks different like that's what gene's asking too i like that too i also liked that it's not until kurt fully like sees scott get in trouble and then hears what scott's powers are that he finally takes his hood off and like reveals his blue face and everything like he like slowly is getting comfortable enough with the conversation that he's like revealing more of himself to everybody and then that's when gene goes forward and is like what is your power kurt as opposed to just being like i guess your power is that you're blue like she doesn't even mention it she's just like tell us about your power if you want like imagine being gay not being able to like hide that you're gay from like yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't think you should hide being gay anyway. But like, I think that's like kind of what we're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, like not being able to pass basically, and like yeah. I don't know. Kurt's story is cool, even though Xavier's terrible. I, but, yeah, um, I'm we'll glad they did this in here. So <laughs> so he teleports around, and Gene is kind of like, whoa, so cool, like as teenagers would it's be. Cute, and I kind of, though. I it liked is. it. Yeah, and so then Xavier's like, I'll help Kurt get settled in. We can talk more tonight. So then we get a scene with Toad who is hanging out 
outside the principal's office because he's been called and and Toad's theme song plays, which is hip hop, because he oh, every single know, time, has every single M&M time, energy basically in every scene that he's in for the rest of the series. I know, I know. That's that's kind of like how they characterized him. Is like he's he's just a dirtbag. He's just Eminem. Eminem. So Toad actually gets a Toad themed rap song, which. I believe is going to appear in the actual show, (laughs) but for this episode, at least there's only the instrumental from this song, but I'm going to put this rap song or at least a part of it into this episode so that you get a sense for the level of corniness that this show is operating on, at least when it comes to its music selections. Um, so he goes in and the principal who is like clearly mystique, but anyway, it's just a white well, lady. We don't, we don't know. know. We don't know that she's, she's just mystique, a lady. But I immediately saw her. I was like, oh yeah, right, right. Well, she so, looks like a lesbian. So yeah, it's gotta be mystique. <laughs> Any woman in a skirt suit with her hair up is a lesbian, according to you. I, you know what? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll no, totally it's like, take it. It's more. It's more like the the like very butch like yeah. way she comes out, and that doesn't. That's not what makes like a, she's a more woman like gay. a dumb lesbian where she's like, "You're in trouble, bitch." Like she reminds like, me. Okay, let me let me mystique. rephrase this in a way so because I'm not trying to insult anyone here, but you know, like a Matilda, the teacher in that, that was evil. She mm-hmm. always struck me as like super gay, also like in a villainous well, kind of way. Because she's super butch, yeah. Yeah, but I that's mean, what I'm saying. It's like when they use butch as like like a butch gay as like a villain trope, which what they are still doing in 2000 is basically what I'm trying to say here. I guess that's true, but I just immediately love Mystique, so I, I refuse mean, me too. to I accept love her this too. is a bad thing and on Joey, any level. Okay, yeah, so in this show, that's another thing. In this show, she is gay with Irene. Mm, okay. I forgot about that. See, That'll there's a lot fun. of gay stuff happening. It's really great. Uh, anyway, so Toad comes in and like Mystique mocks him for smelling bad, and she's like, "Excuse me, while I open a window." Which you're you watching it would be like, "Why would the principal say this?" So then she calls him Toad, and she's like, "Shall we talk about your new friend Scott Summers?" As Toad's like, "I don't know, he's some gay guy I know." <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, but if it weren't for him, those jocks would have stomped my skull flat. And Mystique is like, yes, well, Summers, as you've noticed, has special powers. There are others like him. We need to know more. And Toad's like, uh, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then Mystique turns into a huge dragon and she's like, silence, do what I say, <laughs> bitch. I'm going to step on your nuts. And we're like, whoa. Oh my God. She like yeah. turns into like the Shadow King or like a brood version of the Shadow King. It's pretty and, badass. Like, it's not like that's going to be explained right away either because it just goes to like another scene between like it's a commercial break and it doesn't come back to that i know it doesn't it's just like that's all we needed to know about that i honestly <laughs> it kind of was i didn't really need anything yeah. else so then it comes back at nightcrawlers in his new bedroom and he's got this huge fucking bedroom it's like awesome it's got like all this electronics in it. it's got a tv and like a stereo system bed. yeah it's yeah ridiculous. and it's like it's like i was like whoa my room i'm like yeah i'm with you kurt because like whoa yeah indeed yeah and xavier's just like well you know we wanted to give you something nice your parents sent you here because they knew we'd be happy here mm-hmm. you know i don't know if like his parents just got rid of him because that's yeah kind of that's what, kind of the, the implication of it yeah i mean i don't know what kurt's backstory is on this show i but- don't either but like there's a scene there's some episodes 
where like I know it happens during the Christmas episode where a bunch of the mutants go back to their families, but some don't. And mm-hmm. I think Nightcrawler, I don't remember if he does or he doesn't. I know that Rogan Cyclops don't. Mm-hmm. So maybe he does, but it's kind of like the burden of Kurt has been taken off his parents because now he lives at Xavier's mansion, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it leads into that line where Kurt says, how can I be happy when I look like this? I scare people. Yeah. And that's when Xavier gives him the image inducer from the comic books that allows him to look human, which is something that they did a lot in the 80s where they're like, they're like, just cover it up and nobody will know. It, Uh, It made me feel really sad that that was going to be a part of this show. Like it I goes on. Get it's an important piece of the show. I totally get it. But like to have this character who's shown as being ashamed and like right away to have an adult authority figure hand them this magical device. That's like, I can make you just look like a normal white kid and yeah, I, you'll be fine. Like I was like, up. this is kind of a weird message. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Like as an adult, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I don't know if the show is going to like delve into that over time where like Nightcrawler slowly becomes more comfortable with how he actually looks. I can tell you right now that in season three, after they're all outed as mutants, Nightcrawler keeps his image to inducer. And like, so when he goes to school, he doesn't hang out with like the other mutants because he still has image inducer because he doesn't want to come out yet. And the other X-Men are pissed at him. Mm, That sounds interesting and like a good storyline. Season three is really dark. I would argue that season two is pretty dark, like halfway through too. So yeah, well, we'll see. So anyway, it was just interesting to me that they introduced this right away in the pilot. Right. And Nightcrawler goes, I can't believe it. I'm normal. By the way, I, I do a really good version of this Nightcrawler on this show because our friend <laughs> Cal and I... You imitated it constantly yeah, 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 we, Cal and I sat there and we would like read the <sighs> X-Men Evolution scripts I mean, into microphones. I this. You, there's like videos of you going, want some tea? Like we have... <laughs> d- it's in... It's on like, the YouTube it's channel. It's like in Demon somewhere. It's I know. in there. So a Storm, Storm pipes up and she's like, of course you're normal, Kurt, but not because of that machine, which I was like, well, at least somebody's standing up for this. I mean, Storm is supposed to be the voice of reason in the show because literally she nobody kinda, else is, including Xavier. Like, wh- I guess she has barely any lines. Like, that's one of like, maybe three times she talks on this I show. I don't know. This episode. I, I don't like how Storm is handled on this show. Yeah, I mean, we've seen one episode, so I I will continue to see how it goes. But, like, I know she's not going to be a major character this time around, so I'm just taking what I can get with Storm. So Xavier's like, Storm's right. Normal is what you truly are. This is just a disguise so that you won't be persecuted by those who don't understand your gifts. And I was like... But that's still fucked up, Xavier. Like, you shouldn't be like... Because Ugh. he's also screaming through this, this episode to people. He's like, no, we accept people for who they are here, except for you. You have to dress like a normal person because you're too fucked up looking. Like, Yeah, what because is according that? to this version of the show, Xavier's Institute isn't a school. Like, Bayville High School is where they go. The Institute is, right. like, where they live. And so that's different. So it's not like Kurt can, like, go to school and hang out with other mutants who might look unusual or, like, have trouble controlling their powers or whatever it may be. Like, he has to go to school a normal school and look normal whatever normal means and like that is part of what this show is showing because i guess the show is just more interested in like being closeted as a metaphor and the struggles with that which i'm not opposed to i'm just like no i'm this not is either. very clearly what the show wants to be about there's just a lot going on there 
Anyway, so Nightcrawler says that like, he doesn't understand, but does he? And it doesn't really matter because like, Xavier's just like, shut up and open this box that I got and you. And it's an like, X-Men uniform. Yeah. He's like, now you could be a child soldier now that you're here. He's <laughs> and, like, he's and like, Kurt is so excited to open it and see this uniform. And I was like, do you even know what this means? Okay, kid? but like, but also it's really it's terrifying that Xavier is like, you're too fucked up looking to like go out there looking like that, but not fucked up enough looking to be a child soldier for me. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I didn't like any of that from Xavier. Just preliminarily, I was like, this child is like 14 years old. And you're and like, he comes, he comes off a little bit more charming than the previous Xavier because he's got a like Patrick Stewart-esque voice because they're doing like the X-Men movie yeah, thing. Yeah, but the, the actions he's taking though are uh, yeah, pretty questionable like exactly uh, anyway so then we go back to school and we have another scene, scene a very gay scene again where like toad is like hitting on cyclops and he's like yeah. hey so like in that kind of way that in high school if and especially in high school for us when mostly if you were gay you were closeted and like that's how it was and you figured out that somebody may not be entirely straight like the instantly the only thing you could do was like hit on them and mm-hmm. kind of be like it's like hey we're both gay so let's look out for each other and also maybe do you want to like kiss like i don't know like that's yeah. kind of what's hot that's the vibe i'm getting here although toad is also only doing it because he's manipulating scott on behalf of mystique but it's also like is he also kind of glad that scott is a mutant who can say who can say what toad's motivations are so toad once the hallway is empty because it's like passing time uh for lunch so it's empty toad jumps up on top of the lockers to like reveal his jumping power and scott is like very surprised and then toad kind of makes a joke about how he can scott can still see it through his sunglasses and then he uses his long tongue to grab the sunglasses off of scott's face and scott has to close his eyes and like cover his face yeah and then toad takes a moment to like come on the glasses yeah and then he hands them back and they're like covered in toad jizz i know toad is like you and me we got something in common and scott is like yeah we're both slimy while he's like putting the glasses on and then toad is like nope we're not like other people and scott's like what's your point and Toad's like, I just want to talk, get to know each other better, you know, do lunch. Yeah, I, that's what I was saying. I was like, that is very much what it felt like for me being in the closet in high school. But he's also like bullying Scott a little bit, which I feel like is a very similar energy. I didn't have that issue happen like from another gay person. I just got bullied but by I, other kids. I think kids. that does happen though. Like where Probably. he's like, yeah, we're both gay, but like you're also Well, I mean, you know the concept shitty. of like bullies would like bully people because they actually liked them. Maybe that's yeah. why like guys did that to other guys in high school back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like it was a very... I, it was a confusing talk- time. Well, I was going to say, we keep talking about it on this show, but it was a different time for us. Like, mm-hmm. it is, it's not that it's perfect now, but it's a lot more accepting than it was 20 years ago. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Toad eats Scott's entire lunch with his tongue. And then, which Scott- is like, I don't know how that <laughs> Pretty fucking rude. works. Yeah. I know. And then he just like fucking literally bounces and then it cuts the Xavier Mansion and the mutant alarm goes off. Yeah. There's a mutant alarm, folks. And then Xavier enters a secret room, looks at a control panel, presses a button, and it's. I guess a, an alert that Toad exists and he's just like I, I don't know hmm, okay. because then Cyclops goes to a pay phone yes. by the way they yep. don't have cell phones yet because this is 2000 we didn't have cell don't. phones yet we didn't yeah. even have like the black phones yet that came in like that came in like 2002 yeah so like or I mean some people did but like we could well they were like them. more like car phones at the or, time like rich kids had cell phones at this point but like we didn't and, but the cell phone was like bigger it was huge yeah. it was like a huge brick so also this was really funny to me because Scott called 
calls Xavier and then Scott is freaked out that Xavier knows it's him because Xavier has to use his psychic abilities to tell that it's okay, Scott. Okay, but Xavier doesn't need to do this. It's like, it's like Cyclops calls Xavier and then like Xavier picks up the phone and he just goes, hi, hi Scott. Scott. And Scott's like, can you not? Yeah, but also like that joke doesn't even work nowadays because every single person has caller ID automatically on every device ever so like oh so you're saying xavier just is color id i mean it's just like funny that in the year 2000 it was like considered spooky and like unsettling that xavier <laughs> would answer the phone by being like hi scott whereas like nowadays if you did that it would be completely normal and like not even worth remarking oh god upon. do you remember back then though there was the whole political backlash on color id where they were saying it's an invasion of people's privacy yes yeah of course that didn't end up going through and no, also no, now everybody nobody has, has it <laughs> yeah i know so anyway um scott tells him about todd Talansky, and xavier's like i already know all about it cerebro just gave me a reading he must be using his powers openly and scott's like anyway he's not the kind of guy i'd really want to share a room with he's got the personal hygiene of a dead pig again 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 it's so gay. i mean okay ryan I don't think it's that unbelievable that there be same gender housing at the Xavier Institute. No, However, but I think I think the Cyclops show is still gay. But I Cyclops didn't you. need to say they they could have like different beds. Cyclops is like I don't want to share a bed with him. Basically, he did not say bed. He did not say that. Point. <laughs> oh, wow. We can we That's can That's what I wrote down. Whether or not it actually happened. Anyway, Scott's basically like I'm not attracted to this guy, but he keeps sitting on me. So Xavier's like uh, we can't turn our backs on anybody, and Scott's like all right, should I bring him in? And Xavier's like no. No need, Scott. Speak with you later. And then Kurt walks in. He's already wearing his X-Men uniform and he's in blue mode. And he's just like, what's that thing? And Xavier's like, it's Cerebro. It detects special powers. That's how I found you. And they have like a brief convo about that. Yeah, it's very Pride of the X-Men when Kitty walks over. She's like, what's that? And he says the mm -hmm. same line. So then Xavier sends a telepathic message to Storm, who's hanging out in a greenhouse watering plants with a little rain cloud. And he's like, Storm, could you kill a child for me? <laughs> <laughs> or try to and just see what happens. And Storm's like, sure. Yeah. And so Storm walks out. Toad is trying to invade the X-Mansion, as it turns out. Toad right. is in a cool green jumpsuit that I guess Mystique gave him. We don't actually see how he got this, but I liked that. I was like, there's a little bit of mystery about Toad here. So he leaps over their huge iron fence in a single bound. And then meanwhile, Storm walks out the front door. She's wearing her uniform. Um, the wind whistles and she flies in the air and it's like really badass. And we see what happens when a Toad gets struck by lightning, just like in the first X-Men movie. And I he didn't gets even really put that scared. together, which yeah, is really funny. I thought funny. about it instantly and I was like, like, wow it's almost like they had the cliff notes of what was gonna happen in the first x-men movie and they were like let's kind of do like a weird alternate universe fan fiction of that and like that well i know that scene. they were inspired by some of it because originally they wanted mystique to look like mystique on the movie mm -hmm. and then they were probably like this is a kid's show maybe she should wear a dress that's literally what happened yep that sounds about right. So then <laughs> inside the mansion, Kurt hears the thunder and he walks to the front door and then the front door blows open dramatically and Toad lands on top of him. <laughs> Which is like really funny. It is Because funny. then it's like a very sexual thing they do. They're yeah, like rolling they're around like on the ground. Insult comedying each other. Yeah, like, no, yeah. Toad's like, who are you? Some kind of raggedy plush doll. And Kurt's like, the name's Nightcrawler. And at least I don't smell like some some kind of unwashed later hose. And okay, by the way, the German does not stop throughout the show. Hosen? I know. And I then know. Toad screams, you blue furred freak. And then Nightcrawler like, like teleports, teleports up, up to a, a chandelier. Yep. And then yep. Nightcrawler is like mocking Toad. And then basically they're just like breaking shit and jumping around the mansion. And Xavier rolls out. And he's like, yep, he's a mutant. And it's like, <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> and eventually Xavier's like watching like all his shit get broken. He's like, okay, can you cut the shit? Like what? Yeah. Like at first Xavier's like, maybe he could be one of us. And Storm has one of her other few lines, which is sometimes professor, I feel your good heart blinds even you from the truth. And meanwhile, like Toad and Kurt are like breaking everything in the background. And like, it's very <laughs> clear that Toad doesn't belong here. Um, But also like, what was Xavier's plan here? Like, why did he immediately attack Toad? I know. He's like, let's have Toad come here. Let's try to strike him down with lightning and then break shit in the house and see if that reveals that he's an X-Men. And then try to recruit him. Like, why would that work as a way to recruit him? Why wouldn't you Which like, try to Which he didn't do with Nightcrawler, by the way. Yeah. Remember? Why Nightcrawler didn't he, just like, showed approach- up. Toad at school or like have Scott go to him but I guess I guess Xavier was kind of stuck because he like sensed that Toad was right outside almost immediately and he was like well this kid's about to break into my house I guess I better teach him a thing or two about breaking into the X-Mansion but like he could have just sent Toad a telepathic message and been like hey what's up kid like Like, do you want to talk like he could have done anything other than this which was just let Kurt and Toad get into an all-out brawl in the living room break everything he doesn't stop it and then eventually like he does eventually he breaks it up and he's like the test is over Todd Talansky has a special gift of the X gene he's welcome to join us if he so desires and Toad is like, only thing I desire is Blue Boy's fuzzy head. Yeah, because by this dick. point, he's like, everybody's been attacking me since I got here. So I'm going to fucking kill them. I mean, yeah. And then and then I don't even know how this happens. But Nightcrawler grabs him and they teleport down into the danger room. Yes. Which instantly turns on. Like, it's just waiting to be turned on. I know. And Xavier's like, fuck. Oh, shit. And then he's, he's called Cyclops and Jean. And Who Cyclops are already and- wearing their uniforms also. Like, what were they doing? Just like fucking in a corner go- in their uniforms? <laughs> Because they're, they're taking it off. I don't know. Like, don't know. like they're getting dressed together. Yeah. So anyway, the danger room goes nuts. And it's not like previous versions of the danger room. This one just comes out and straight up has machine guns. Yes. That are like going to kill these children. Yeah, there's like suddenly like bullets being shot at them. And they're yeah. like. And Xavier's uh, like yelling at Scott and Jean with his telepathy, like get into the danger room and save them. And so they run in there. Yeah. And Cyclops is like, okay, Jean, take out. I'll take out the cannons. You like deal with the tentacles. Yeah, which because is funny there's tentacles. He's, <laughs> there's, of course, there's yeah, fucking tentacles. Just says, like, just deal with the tentacles. And like, so. Cyclops is taking out cannons and then Nightcrawler is about to get fucked by a tentacle and Nightcrawler gets pulled away telekinetically by Jean Mm -hmm. and Nightcrawler's like, oh, you're an angel. And Jean's like, I'm no angel, but are you a demon? And it's like... Why is she like flirting with everyone? Like she says it in like a sexual way or at least that was how I took it. I don't know. I actually really enjoy how horny Jean is on this show. I mean, it is, again, I feel like it's in character for a teen version of Jean who like can't even control her hormones as an adult. So naturally as a teen, she's unstoppably horny. (laughs) You know what? Just let Jean Grey fuck, okay? Yeah. I mean, I think she's going to get some on this show. She's clearly, like, getting it on with Duncan at the very least, but she needs more people. So then Scott is, like, trying to call out to Toad, but the guns keep firing. Meanwhile, Xavier and Storm are, like, extremely slowly going into the control room to turn off the danger. They're, like, taking an elevator. They're walking in. And Xavier's like, get there faster, Scott! And we're like, (laughs) oh my god, can you guys fucking hurry? And so then Kurt figures out finally that it's a training area and he grabs one of the plugs on the guns to unplug it except as soon as he unplugs it it like starts going completely haywire and like which doesn't make sense around it makes no sense then finally storm flies into the danger room which I don't know why this didn't happen earlier and she hits everything with a bunch of lightning and the room powers down 
Toad is like, fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. I mean, honestly. Yeah. 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 Like, they really <laughs> fucked this up. Like, if they wanted to get Toad to trust them, basically, Not do like, any of this. A to B, all of this was really Maybe bad. Maybe you shouldn't have tried killing him the second he walked through the door. I know. Like, there, there's that. And then Cyclops is like, I tried to stop him from leaving. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Xavier's like, it's okay. He's not right to be one of us yet. And Nightcrawler, for some reason, goes, I guess I'm not either. And then he yeah. teleports away. And it's like, <laughs> wait. Well, because he blames himself as opposed to like Storm and Xavier, who for some reason like tried to kill Toad first. And I was just I like, I don't know. I don't really like happening? that like Storm's on Xavier's side I here. Don't well, she's either, not really because she like questions it for a second, but I mean, whatever. Not, she doesn't question that. She doesn't question like taking on Toad. She goes ahead and does it. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so Toad jumps out a window when she like he just blasts, he doesn't jump out through an open one. He just like smashes through it. It lands on like Wolverine's feet. Yep. Wolverine's just like, oh, sweet. I'm going to kill the shit out of you. And Xavier's <laughs> like, please don't kill a child. And Toad's like, what? I'm fucking out of here. Like, all of you are crazy. Like, why are you all trying to kill me? Yeah. It's like, like, what is this message? It's like, please come into my gay sanctuary for gay people. But like, we have to test out if you're really like good enough if to be really with us gays. If you really belong here or not. Like, also like, are you ready to be a child soldier? Let's try and who's torture gonna, like, you. Fight for a cause that you barely understand yet because you're like 14 years old. But if you aren't ready to fight for Xavier and be on his side, then fuck off. Like, it's like, so Like, we'll intense. kill you with lightning and guns, bitch. Yeah. So totally. And Logan's like, I came back here because I smelled trouble brewing. Of course, it could have only been that stink bug over there. And I kind of, I this one I was getting uncomfortable with the amount of jokes made at Toad's expense. Yeah, I, was like, I didn't love it either because I was like, is this child homeless and like marginalized? Like what's happening here? I don't know. And Xavier's like, I wish it was him, but welcome, hold old friend. We missed you. Mm-hmm. And then Nightcrawler teleports in front of the Blackbird, and he's like, "Whoa, Voss is das," which you know, <laughs> sure, you know. And then Scott walks in, and like, I don't know, is flirting with him. I don't I, know that's what I got to. He's like, "I can show you how to pilot that bad boy if you stick around." Yeah, he's like, "It's got three times the rage and firepower." Like he's like listing off all the statistics of the previous Blackbirds because compared to the current one, and Kurt, Kurt is like really impressed by it. He's like. I but he's like, wow, he's, is your dick as big as this? And Scott's yeah, like, and Scott's maybe. Like, maybe, but if you share a room with me, uh, if you share a bed with me, I'll let you find out. And then Nightcrawler's like, but I almost got you killed five minutes ago. And like Cyclops is like, yeah, just don't do that again. Look, we all mess up sometimes. That's okay. That's why we're all here. We all make mistakes. Just don't hassle me about my shades and you can stay. Mm-hmm. And Nightcrawler's like, you've got the deal then. And Cyclops is like, great, let's fuck. Yeah, and then they make out a little bit. Okay, so Cyclops and Nightcrawler on this, both are the only two characters who really get girlfriends in this, but I swear to God, they are fucking on this show. <laughs> like, they're supposed to be like best buds, but it's like really gay. Yeah. So I, I would never have pictured the two of them together, but like this I seems pretty either, But this show puts them together and it's very strange. And also maybe I just don't know, have a good perception of what like straight guys do when they hang out. I don't think it's this though. So well, we'll never know what straight guys do when we hang out, when they hang out because we are not straight guys. So we will literally oh, never I know. I going to be like, well, it turns out that straight men don't exist, but whatever. That's also true. I've seen, I've yet to see any proof that straight men exist. So anyway, we go back to principal mystique who's interrogating toad. And she's like, I can't believe this. 
you were actually inside and you ran away and toad's like i freaked so sue me i did what i could and she's like no doubt the good professor wiped your mind so you can't remember anything and he just shakes his head uh, yeah yeah and mystique opens the door and throws him out and is like fuck off because like clearly <laughs> xavier fucking I did like a brain mystique wipe on, on this him. show yeah, like mystique great. has every right to be sort of angry at this point she's yeah. like okay what and the so fuck? Then, then she turns into her blue form with the dress and then she hears a voice in her head, although it's actually not in her head. It's outside the window. And the voice says, do not be so hard on the boy, Mystique. We don't want to thin our ranks, do we? And she's like, no, sir, I'll be more careful. And looks like really like, fucking freaked like a, out suddenly. A, what, I was like, what is I happening? Because like, there's just a bunch of like, paper. What the fuck is going on? And then a bunch of paper clips started floating around. And Mystique's like really scared of the paper clips. I and was I was like, like I, okay, I, it's Magneto. <laughs> but like, what? Why is, Mist- why is Magneto doing this? And Magneto's like, right, you are. His voice is like deep and equity. Yeah, it's he, like, he sounds like Mr. Right Sinister. Remember, this is only the beginning. Yeah. And like, and then like a bunch of paper clothes spin around her. And she's like, oh no, Magneto's here. Oh, no. I was like, what? What? And yeah. that's the end of episode one. Yay! I was like, okay. Magneto's here. So I know Magneto's going to like actually be evil on this show, which is kind of too bad because I was like really ready for there to be an adversary against this version of Xavier. I was like, I don't like him. I would like someone to challenge <laughs> like, him. I like how in X-Men, the animated series, you we were like, okay, so like Xavier seems kind of okay at first. And this version, he just shows up. He's like, oh, doing this shit where he's like, kill other mutants unless they fight for me and be a child soldier like that's it i don't know anyway we should rate the episode what do you what do you think i think for an opening episode is obviously not as strong as x-men the animated series but i'll give it like a four out of five i think it's a good pilot i think it sets up the universe really well without being too heavy-handed on like how it's gonna work i mean obviously the first two minutes of this episode involved like the mutants like hiding themselves from all of society and then shit blowing up and going in their face and like it's kind of dark and i think it i like that it just kind of sets up what we're going to be what this show is going to be about you know and that's very like uh gay coded and it's also a lot more like whimsical than x-men the animated series was Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit slower in terms of like plot beats that are happening yeah um I do think it like, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's like the strongest pilot in the world because like, I think I gave X-Men the animated series like a five out of five. Mm-hmm. Like It was a really so. good pilot, though. I was also going to give this one a four, actually, for the same reasons. I really enjoyed it. I there were definitely some parts where I was like, this part's kind of slow or like this part moved kind of quickly. Like some of the Scott and Jean stuff in the bathroom. I was like, why is this here? But then like Toad stuff was really fast. And I was like, I would have liked a little more exposition on like Mystique's deal, but I know it's coming and that's totally fine. And I enjoyed watching it a lot. And I'm like, I did really too. pumped to watch the rest of the show. So it definitely did its job. You know, I agree. Season one is not as strong as the other seasons, but it's like, it's like any first season where it's just kind of setting shit up. And I kind of appreciate that they take the time introducing all these characters instead of just like dropping them all in on a switch x-men the animated series did and it was fine but like this show we kind of meet them one by one and it's like okay cool so yeah i i thought it was really really fun so that's that do you want to talk about who's gay (laughs) oh well first i've got who's that x-men which we haven't done in a very long time I feel like at a certain point we 
started taking so much longer to say it, and it's like it's longer than the yeah, theme it's song like it's slow shit, but it's supposed like, to be like it was Pokemon. Supposed to be where it's like, like who's that Pokemon? But now we just say who's that X Men at like, like as slowly as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's like Bishop <laughs> Fiend, like electronic fuse. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, so uh today we're talking about Cum Man, also known as Toad. Wow, have we never done Toad? That's crazy. No. Okay, nope, great. We Let's talk about Toad. Yeah, so it's on a long one. Um so his real name is actually Mortimer Toynbee, which is not the name they give him in this show. Mm-hmm. And he has like a billion fucking powers. Like he's got like superhuman legged ton strength and endurance. He has agility, he can jump high, he has reflexes, coordination, and balance and leaping. He has a I didn't even know this, but apparently he has a regenerative hearing factor that's slower than Wolverine's. Hmm. Uh, he's got his lawn ton. He's got the psychoactive venom, and he also has paralyzing mucus. He has adhesive spit. He has the ability to stick to walls, and he can. This is what this was like. One of his original powers is that he can expel gusts of air from his lungs and communicate with amphibious life. Like that was the original too. They just kept on jacking it up with like more powers as I went along. Weird. He was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Toad suffers from depression like straight out of the gate mm-hmm. and it's been he's basically manipulated on those on that for a, like the whole show so, or sorry the whole series of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was born in York, England. He was abandoned by his parents and grew up in an orphanage because he was tormented by other orphans because of his physical appearance which is also why his parents dumped him like Penguin styled and Batman Returns. Toad dropped out of the orphanage at an early age. Based on the years of the abuse and knowing he was a freak, he developed a severe inferiority complex, so he would become servile to pretty much anyone that showed him affection. Sad. It is very sad. Uh, Toad is later recruited into Magneto's original Brotherhood of Mutants. He believes that Magneto loves him, which is like a really dark fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also has developed a crush on Scarlet Witch, which actually plays out on this show. Uh, oh, fun. But Scarlet Witch does not return his feelings. Toad also works with the Brotherhood until he and Magneto are captured by the alien stranger and they are encased in cocoons. Magneto at one point escapes but doesn't help Toad escape. He just kind of leaves him to die. But Magneto gets recaptured again and then he escapes and then takes the time to take Toad with him. But at that point, Toad feels betrayed by Magneto. Right. Toad realizes Magneto doesn't love him in the way that he thinks he does and rebels against him, leaving Magneto's lair when Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch also leave Magneto's Brotherhood and Mag- uh, Mutants. Toad then takes the alien stranger's technology and starts studying it and becoming more uh, familiar with it. He kind of menaces the Avengers and becomes one of their villains for a while using that technology. Uh, he briefly joins the adventurer team, the Misfits, in which he teams up along Spider-Kid and Frogman as their own superhero team. Toad eventually leaves the team to return to villainy, attempting to kidnap the Scarlet Witch so he can fuck her, but it is Ugh. but he's thwarted by Quicksilver and the Vision. Toad then reforms the Brotherhood with Blob, Pyro, and Fantasia. He also turns Carl Lycos back into Sauron during this time because he's just causing all sorts of fucking trouble. <laughs> Toad discovers that his deformed body was actually the result of Juggernaut's father, Kurt Marco, which had left him with that unstable genetic structure. So there's like a whole backstory on that. That is fucking crazy. So Te- Toad then uses the stranger's equipment to correct his genetic flaws, and then he becomes more of the Toad that we know in the modern 2000s to 2020 Toad where he's kind of got the lawn ton, he's got green skin and shit, but originally he looked like he did an X-Men animated series. Right. And I think they did that to match him with the version they did in X-Men 2000. Yeah. Because then after that, Genosha is destroyed by Sentinels and then Toad makes an appearance leading a new team with Paralyzer and Eunice to rebuild a statue of Magneto 
to like have a monument of him. And then he returns to Magneto's side during the whole attack during New X-Men where Magneto was terrorizing everybody. And like Toad was not as subservient to him. And he was actually acting as the second in command to Magneto in this. And then after Magneto is killed by Wolverine, it's revealed that he's not actually Magneto. And Toad's like, well, fuck this then. Cool. It's, that's when it turns out to be Zorn, that whole plot point. Okay. So uh, Toad is one of the 198 to retain his powers. Um, after Cyclops deputizes uh, Utopia to fight Nimrod Sentinels, Toad tells a group of mutants to remain on the island and to not listen to Cyclops and almost gets them killed by a Nimrod Sentinel, uh, which blows off one of Toad's fingers. And then after Wolverine and Cyclops have their whole breakup, you know, during Schism, Toad <laughs> Toad goes to the Westchester School, the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning, and he works for Kitty and Logan as their janitor at the time. And he also gains a secondary mutation during Secret Empire, which he can light his tongue on fire because he just needs more fucking powers. Yeah, because he's so weak already. I know. Uh, and then the final plot beat for him is that Toad and Husk have this really weird relationship in Wolverine and the X-Men when Husk is like going crazy. And when she leaves to teach that the Hellfire Academy, Toad goes with her. And it's during that time that Toad sees that the Hellfire Club are manipulating Husk's mental condition at that time. Uh, and also sees that Quentin Quire is being uh, tortured by Sauron, which is like this weird gay sequence that happens in the comic. Like, it's very like, Sauron's like, I'm going to fucking torture and suck you off all the time. Well, he's basically a vampire, so that fits. I know, Quentin Quire's like, you can't fuck me. I'm the one that should get sucked off. I mean, I should suck off you. Wait, hold on. It's, <laughs> it's insane. Anyway, Toad turns against the Hellfire Club and helps Quentin escape. And also then Husk tries to kill Toad during this fight. And Toad keeps on ripping off her skin because that's her power until she is just in her human form and she has no memory of how she even got there or what even happened. So, like, it's, like, really fucked up. Uh, so then Toad is fired by Wolverine from the X-Mansion and Husk apologizes to Toad and asks her to come visit her at a nearby coffee shop, you know, to try and figure out whatever it was, whatever relationship they had because she doesn't have any memory of it. Right. But then the villain Frankenstein attacks the city with robots and Toad commits his loyalty commits loyalty to Frankenstein instead. So he leaves Husk alone and leaves her like a message that's all like, you know, you don't want to like get to know me. Like Oof. you don't want to know who I am. And Sad. that's that's how that ends. And then the last time we really see him is like silently crying as he goes to work for Frankenstein. Oof. And I think he appeared like one time recently, but that was like his last big story beat. And it's, yeah. I mean, he's, it's, he's a pretty sympathetic villain, except for that part where he kidnaps Scarlet Witch for a hot second there. That sounds pretty bad. I but, mean, uh, like, Callisto does that too, I not know. to Scarlet Witch. It's just like their Such trope. Such a it's comic like, book thing. It's like... Like, uh, I have a crush on you. I'm, I'm gonna just gonna kidnap, kidnap you, you and I'm, I'm glad that that storyline has gone away, or at least that, like, people have realized, like, how fucked up that would be if a character did it, and, like, how hard it would be re to redeem them after that. Like, I feel like yeah. I don't really see that that often anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a thing at one time anyway that's toad i guess yeah he's a pretty depressing character so when you were talking about him ha having a hope on the show i was like well yeah like i know that canonically he does not right so. i don't think he does on this show either though like well, i guess I mean, we'll he find out it winds out, up in but... like the brotherhood frat house but right. you know oof which is that's not a great influence on him but it's also like is it better than xavier i guess we'll find out as we watch it more episodes is. of the show so who's gay who's gay the Things is being gay. But sometimes it goes beyond symbolic. And the X-Men 
Okay, so it's like a Everyone lot of Everyone in this episode is gay. It's actually, I appreciate how gay this show is. It's pretty so, fun. I would say Toad and Cyclops have a fun energy that we've talked about a little bit, like mostly in the sense that I do feel like Toad is insulting Scott because he's like interested in Scott um, and Scott is not interested in Toad. I wouldn't say Scott right. is gay for Toad. Cyclops but, is like, just because we're both gay doesn't mean that like I'm gay for you. Right. Or just because we're both gay doesn't mean I want to come out of the closet and I don't want you to be like making me look bad in school and like embarrassing yeah. me and stuff. Whereas Toad is like, I'm just going to tease you until you pay attention to me. He's and, like, I got a long tongue, Cyclops. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting storyline. Here, let me just come on your sunglasses real quick. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, I don't know, Sabretooth and Logan are there for one fucking second, but that's not well, really we don't know. Mentioning. They do get kind of gay, but we're not getting there. I'm going to talk about how Cyclops and uh, Cyclops and Wolverine, Cyclops and Nightcrawler are gay in this. They are gay. In that very gay. One scene at the very end. I don't know that you could make the argument for the first scene where Scott is like afraid of Kurt, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's afraid of how much he loves Kurt. Well, I'm glad Cyclops is getting some because he's not getting some from Gene on this show. So He's not unless he secretly is. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Gene and Scott, but I did like their flirtatiousness because I was like, it's a sign of things to come. But that's not gay enough. So who fucking cares? Yeah, I know it's not. I also think Mystique was pretty gay in this i like in a Based stereotypical kind of way yeah, i mean yeah. like mystique is gay because we know she's I gay just, she's I just literally know that gay she, i just know she is gay on this show so well, i mean mystique is gay full stop so we get to include her in this section because we just know that that's true so i'm actually looking forward to seeing mystique as a main character for these four seasons because in x-men the anime series she actually wasn't on it too often she wasn't i really enjoyed her when she was there like pretty much every time mystique was in an episode i enjoyed it on x-men ts but in this like she's gonna actually be around a lot and that'll be really fun because she's a fun villain so i'm psyched about that too it's like kind of gonna make up for the fact that storm is barely gonna be here Uh. like at least there's gonna be some other characters that i'll like but oh well it's too bad so yeah that's who's gay. Did we forget anybody? I don't think so. There weren't a lot of characters introduced in this episode, which I actually did appreciate. So I did appreciate that too. And I'm looking forward to meeting the rest of them. Um, this was a pretty long episode, but we had a lot to talk about. So that's well, fine. Okay. <laughs> typically we don't have to introduce an entire series. I know. So. I know. And also like who's that X one is back. So hopefully the listeners enjoyed that. Yeah. There's going to be a few of them. I think yeah, like not for the full season because we have already met most of these characters before like we've met and done uh backgrounds on nightcrawler and kitty and wolverine cyclops we have not done yet honestly so mm-hmm. maybe that will happen somewhere in here yeah but we've done it for gene and we've done it for storm which i just said mm-hmm. uh, spike is not from the comic books but if we really wanted to dive into it we could do marrow because that's who he's based on yeah so i i, I guess we could i it might be interesting to talk about spike just in terms of like why they created him for this show which was basically like well we're not gonna have storm be a major character so let's create another black character which okay they could have just used like another black x-men that's what here's my problem that we're gonna run into on this show yeah is that they create characters instead of just using existing characters no no they they don't really do that too often but spike was created for this show because they wanted more black representation and of course he is storm's nephew Mm -hmm. like the only two black people on the show are like going to be like related. related. Yeah. Which it's, is like, which is like a, a thing that happens in media a lot. And it's been called out many times by critics is like, wow, the only black characters in the thing have to also be related. Like 
that's ridiculous like there's no other yeah. black people in the world apparently just this one family <laughs> so, yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's not it's not great i mean also like jubilee's not on the show like there's certainly some like key differences here uh, okay well so jubilee is on this show in season two oh, but really? she has like two lines and you don't know it's her until eventually somebody <sighs> says jubilee use your powers Boo. it doesn't even look like her it's in I hate this because Julie Jubilee is not on the show for very long and she's not in Wolverine and the X-Men and it, that well at that least we actually failing. liked her in X-Men TAS unlike everyone else so like we got a bunch of yeah, really good Jubilee we never Jubilee got to a point where she was annoying by the way she yeah, was she fine was great the, the whole, whole time and Storm was great the whole time so at least we can like have those memories to treasure but like it does make me sad when I feel like we're stepping backwards where it's like we have these great like women of color on the original show and then like we're like taking a step back on the show and we're like now it's gonna be a whiter cast like why did that need to happen i don't know i don't know i guess that happens in media sometimes but then season two they introduce the new mutants and there's like a lot more diversity that's introduced among them and they also even like switch up some of them so they are a little bit more diverse like magma in the comic books is very white but in this in in the X-Men Evolution, they decided to go with a darker colored skin for her, which I appreciated. So that's probably worth doing a character spotlight on some point. Anyway, we have talked for a long time about the show. Let's do some plugs. Let's get okay. into some freaking plugs. I like plugs. It's kinky and it's fun. And like I've talked about plugs somewhere because Spank the Monkey isn't in P-Town anymore. And I'm mad about that still. Wow. OK, uh, we are an advertisement <laughs> for Provincetown. It's a great city. Check it out. Um, but also, you might want to check out the mutantages.com. Check out that bar on the right side. You're going to find all kinds of cool ways to contact us over there. We've got an email address. It's not address. a bar bar with liquor or anything. It's just Sadly like a bar not. on the side. Sadly, it's just a regular old tab bar on a website. And so we've got an email address, which is themutantages at gmail.com. We've got an invite link to our Discord server where all the cool Mutant Ages fans hang out and talk about X-Men and politics and so much more. And we have a voicemail inbox, which is 1-508-319-1668. And last but not least, we have a P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. And you can send us physical mail there. You can send us postcards or Mr. Yeah, Sinister Action I figures. Need to go or check it whatever pretty soon, you want. honestly. Yeah, send us more Mr. Sinister Action figures. I want to build the collection. Yeah. Uh, also, we could do an unboxing. We still have to do an unboxing of all the stuff that we do I have. Know. We are, we're going to have to do it online because I was convinced that we would be able to have done it sooner but covid somehow gotten worse mm -hmm. so well, who knows the united states is doing a terrible job dealing with it so that might be why but who could say do you want something that's a little bit more lighthearted than i don't know covid in america you can like go follow the mutant ages on facebook twitter instagram tumblr pinterest and you can also find us on our individual accounts at on instagram and twitter maddie where are you at i am at Mitty myers on those places and just about everywhere else where are you at I am at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and I'm at Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel that's called Ryan Pagella and it's all my fun vlogs and adventures. And I am keeping it fresh and interesting during this time that a lot of shit's closed down. There's a lot of trips to the beach and uh, <laughs> tomorrow I'm actually opening up. A, I, I took the GoPro out and I did a biking through Natick thing. So that's going to go up. Oh, so, cool. So Ryan's still doing his adventures in a, in a yeah. COVID landscape. But, we also have a YouTube channel for this show. Hell yeah, we do. And that is do. The Mutant Ages. And you can go there because it is truly the uh, 
the sister pot sister podcast the sister sh- a companion <laughs> companion show yes the companion show to this one the other half of our show we are playing yes, every x-men video game of course we are why wouldn't we do such and a sometimes thing sometimes we do x-men parodies on there it's and true, sometimes we true. match up this show with the animation from the cartoons or the mm-hmm. movies sometimes i do some nonsense where i take the ff8 opening and combine it with x-men 3 yeah sometimes we go channel. sit there and we laugh at our old movies that we made in high school like our x-men parodies the demon that's there's lots true. of good shit there you should go there and you should enjoy it i agree and you know if you want even more content or you just want to support us you should check out a little website called patreon.com slash the mutant ages because that is where you can support the show at a variety of tiers and if you're able to back at the audio tier you're going to get some podcast episodes where we talk about like Deadpool and Captain Marvel and our old fan fictions and we read them make fun of ourselves and it's just like a bunch of cool extra bonus podcast episodes and there's other cool behind the scenes stuff there and if you back at the highest tier of the Patreon we will give you a shout out on the show which we are about to do right now yeah shout out to our top tier Patreon supporters Sorum B, Samuel B and Zach S thank you so much for supporting us at the top tier level all of this is really helpful to us because, well, I'm not working and I'm still trying to find work in this like pandemic apocalypse. Yeah. But this is this helps our show keep going and we're a completely fan supported show. And honestly, you know, we are producing content twice a week now. So every little bit helps. Yeah, it, it super does. And another way you can help if you can't support us on Patreon, because I get it like, you know, I maybe I, you've I, been laid off. Maybe you don't have a job. I hear you it. You can still help us out by going to whatever you listen to the podcast on, whether it be iTunes, SoundCloud or whatever, and leaving us a review. If you don't want to leave us a review, leaving us a rating is also really helpful because it helps increase our visibility. And you can leave a review on Facebook, too. Yeah, and that helps also. Um, so wait, is that everything? I was gonna say it something sure else, but is. Uh, we did. Uh, Wolverine is going on a date with me. No, uh, wait, he's the only person you could go on a date with during this. Yeah, you like, actually can still date Wolverine on this show as it happens. Great. He's kind of weird now. Like he seems kind of like ornery and like mad at everybody. But that's Logan for that's you. That's because in this episode, he's coming back from a date with me, and like it's like across the country, <laughs> so he had to drive really hard and like he's horny again, and I can't just be there to jerk him off. So yeah, I mean, maybe you should show up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he just he doesn't even have like who is he gonna have like suck his dick now? It can't be any of those characters that previously did because now he's way older than them i know so he can hook up with storm that's it though well that's not terrible yeah it isn't terrible does does storm and logan hook up on the show or no no but they act like it they definitely have like a mom dad like oh no because beast comes back and he's an adult too and then him and beast are like don't even worry about it beast is gonna be there it's all good okay good well i'll have a threesome with logan and beast okay anyway we'll see you next time time. to end this episode (laughs) see you next time the mutant agent's journey